Welcome to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. We hope you enjoyed the upcoming podcast and hope this time is empowering, inspiring, and helpful as you pursue the dream God has put in your heart. The participants of this podcast are not attorneys, and this recording is not to be considered legal advice. Please contact your local attorney's office where needed. Enjoy today's podcast. Well, welcome to Beyond the Call. This podcast is about topics that help churches and ministries protect what God has called them to lead. Now, I personally am very excited about this particular podcast, as it is with my friend Crockett Davidson. Now, if you don't know Crockett, he spent about 18 years helping different church planting networks and coaching planters. He's one of those guys that's just excited to help a planter and a church live on mission. And now he is with Stadia Church Planting. And he is able to oversee the whole Southeast region. And he's one of those guys that is building intentional relationships, helping planners not be alone, but have the plans they need to go forward. So I invite you to be in on and listen to this conversation I have with Crockett Davidson. Well, thanks so much for joining us today on the Start Church podcast. We are super excited because we've got one of the friends of Start Church here, Crockett Davidson, who's over at Stadia. Crockett, man, thanks so much for joining the uh, the conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Pumped to be on the podcast and uh, very humbled to be asked. Thank you for having me. So Crockett and I are some of those guys. We love church planning. So whenever we talk, it's like, let's go take the world for Jesus. I'm excited about what's happening over there. Give me real quickly, scope out for those that don't know you and maybe don't know enough about Stadia. Give me the 100,000 foot view of who Stadia is and then kind of what your role is in the mix. Sure. So Stadia actually started about 16 years ago uh, in California as an evangelizing kind of network. Uh, A bunch of pastors got together and they created this network to plant churches. And then over the years, just those leaders have just grown. Stadia has grown. And so now we're not only planting churches in California, but we're planting churches all across the United States. Uh, We start new churches in uh, Latin America, India, Myanmar, uh, Thailand. And it's, it's really unique because, uh, I don't know if you heard this, but uh, Stadia is actually now the new name for the video uh, game program of Google. And so we're, re- yeah, we're really looking forward to the mentions and uh, the Twitter ads on Facebook. Getting so a lot should of be- Twitter traction from Google. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, it, it's funny when that happened, like our followers just went through the roof. So one thing that Stadia does, except for, you know, following Google, is um, we try to plant churches that intentionally care for children. One phrase that we say so often is, we won't stop until every child has a church. Now, how did that come about? That's really unique. That's a really unique slant for a church planning organization. How did that come to be kind of your your rallying cry? Yeah, so our president, Greg Nettle, um, he tells a story about how he was up one night um, just praying, fasting, and literally he feels like the Holy Spirit really spoke to him in such a way. He says, there are 7 billion people on the planet, and every single one of these people needs to have a home church. And then, of course, I think he's thinking about his home and his experiences, and he's thinking about creating a home church, having every child have the opportunity to call a church home. And so it kind of just came out of him. We want to plant churches that intentionally care for children, and we won't stop until every child has a church. So it's uh, amazing vision, an amazing uh, mission to go after, and only God can get it done. That's awesome. And what's your role there? How are you uh, jumping in on that story? 
Sure. So I'm the Southeast Regional Director. So I oversee church planting. I oversee relationships, partnerships, um, everything that's in the Southeast as we move forward to plant uh, churches that intentionally care for children. That's awesome. So let's rewind the tape just a little bit on your story. You're a church planter. You've been in ministry a long time. A lot of the people who listen to our podcast are leaders. They're either church planters currently. They're thinking about planting a church. And we love to just capture stories, uh, the God stories, the how people got called. Kind of talk us through that a little bit. How did you receive the call to plant a church and what was that like? Yeah, uh, you may not know this, but I actually did not grow up in church whatsoever. I became a Christian at the age of 18. My parents uh, were Christer people, so they went on Christmas and Easter, and they always kind of gave me the opportunity, hey, Crocky, you want to go to church? And someone who did not grow up in church, my answer was always no. Um, the times that I did go to church, for when I went, you know, church felt very strange to me. You know, why, why are we singing? That didn't make any sense. Yeah. Why are we in this old building with old pews? Why can't we sit in normal chairs? Who gives this guy authority to tell me how to live my life. And for me, my home church always kind of smelled like a basement. So it was always kind of just uniquely different for me. But when I became a follower of, of Jesus, uh, he really rescued me from everything. And so I, I fell in love with Jesus, and then I fell in love with his word, and then I fell in love with the church. So I think falling in love with God's word, one of the things that really stood out was the identity that the early church had. And I think all of us, as, as we're growing in the Lord, as we're reading Acts, especially one and two, and we see how the apostles just had the sense of urgency and, and boldness. And in Acts two, it literally talks about how they had the favor of all the people. So I think even as a kind of a young believer, I was thinking, what would it be like to be a part of a community of faith with no history, with maybe no denominational ties, with no background, no experience, but could have the favor of all the people in the city? And so, um, it, you know, from, from there, it really kind of goes back to church planting seeds were scattered when I was a brand new follower of Jesus. So I was actually a student minister in Atlanta, Georgia, and our church got, went through a really, really rough time. And while I was there, we actually hired a new guy who was a former church planter. And so he had the I see in you conversation with me. Yeah. He said, Crockett, I see in you that you would make this amazing church planter. Have you ever considered it? Have you ever prayed about it? And that really kind of stoked something in me wow. to think about, wow, what would it look like for me to kind of start? And it kind of took me back to when I was 18. You know, it took yeah. me back to, I remember falling in love with the early church. And so when he said, I see this in you, my wife and I began to pray about it. We began to think about it. And I think the thing that really kind of really broke my heart was I was disobedient to the Great Commission. And so you had kind of this culmination of my love and, and curiosity with the early church. And then you had this ICU conversation. And then it was, I'm being disobedient to the Great Commission. I'm, I'm not making disciples, I'm making converts. And so that kind of led me in to what it'd be like to plant a church. Wow. And so that, how powerful are those ICNU conversations? First off, just to pause, if you're on a listening to this podcast here, man, be bold. When God moves in your heart and says, you need to go speak life over that person, how powerful was that in your life? I mean, it's, it's one of those things. Multiple people have said that to me in my yeah. life in ministry, and it has the power to cast vision and to challenge and to really affirm, okay, the next steps or the things that you need to move forward in life and ministry. So if you can say that to some individual, whether it's a neighbor or someone Absolutely. in your church or someone on your leadership, say that because those are very powerful words. I see this in you because I think we get so busy or maybe we're, 
hung up on guilt or shame or insecurities, whatever it may be, we don't see that in ourselves. So it's, it's very powerful when someone else says that to us. Yeah, I always say permission is powerful. You know, sometimes you need permission to believe that God's going to move in your life. And it's somebody externally comes up and just says, I see this in you. So you have this conversion. Uh, how did you start moving toward pastoring? What did that look like? Tell me about times you had to say yes, you know, to the Lord on this thing. And how, what did that look like? When it comes to church planting or when it comes to ministry? Yeah, both. Okay, so um, when I became a, a brand new follower of Jesus, I said yes to everything. Yeah. I mean, it was just like when, when, when I was kind of presented a challenge or an opportunity, I would just say yes. So I think one of the first times I ever said yes was coming to my home church. My youth minister came up to me. He said, listen, no one has showed up for children's church. That's what we used to call it, yeah. children's church. So would you go down there and would you teach these kids about Jesus? And my first thought is, no way. I don't know Jesus well enough. I don't know the Bible well enough. Sure, sure. I just, I've never, I've never stood in front of kids and taught them about it. And he was like, you're going to be fine. Just go down there. And I fell in love with teaching God's word in front of children. And so, so I, I said yes to everything, even times where I didn't feel adequate or good enough or educated enough. So I said yes to serving. I said yes to volunteering in our student ministry. And then another conversation was, I see a lot of leadership skills in you. So then I went to seminary. I did youth ministry for about 11 years, primarily in Columbus, Ohio and Atlanta, Georgia. And, and while we were in Atlanta, Georgia, it was those conversations, friends uh, that I had that says, you should absolutely plant a church. And so it's not something I was convinced of uh, at first. Sure. Uh, it was something that I had to really kind of be affirmed in. Uh, but I said yes to whatever those next steps may be, even at the end of my youth ministry. Here's a couple of questions uh, you can kind of wrap in, into this. Where did you plant? Did you plant with any sort of model? So we planted in Hickory, North Carolina about eight years ago. We planted a church called Vintage City Church. And uh, I, I think it would be pretty much a normal attractional model. Oh. Um, when I went to plant the church, I didn't really know of a lot of different models. I mean, sure. I literally went into it not knowing a lot about what church planting looked like. All I know is I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to reach people far from God. I wanted to see impact. I wanted our church to resemble the church in Acts. So whatever that looked like, whatever that would be, that's what I was chasing after. Wow. And so church planning is hard. I know, you know, I was a church planner myself. Talk to me about through those early days, getting launched. What were some challenges that you encountered and how did you overcome them? And uh, how did you deal with discouragement? I know, you know, very few guys are hitting the long ball. My, one of my mentors, Matt Keller, always says, hey, we're up the middle, man. It's just we win a couple yards at a time, not Hail Marys, you know. So talk to me about that. Right. Gosh, I mean, where I, I feel like this podcast could last hours when you talk sure. about the obstacles that face sure. church planters. Um, so we started a church for people who don't like church in a very de church community. And what's great is our vision was to reach people who didn't go to church, who didn't know Jesus. And what's amazing when you chase after that vision, God showed us a lot of favor and a lot of grace. Uh, we actually reached those people. So we had a ton of people coming to our church, making decisions for Christ, getting baptized who didn't like church, who didn't know anything about church, who had never been in a worship service before. I don't think I'd ever met someone who had never been to church or had never read a page from scripture until I planted a church. Wow. And so when you're doing that, you're going to have naturally a lot of people who lack those leadership skills. So I would say one of the obstacles that we had for years, we just had a lack of leaders. And it's because we had such babes in Christ. Sure. Now, what's great about that, you get to grow them and disciple them and, and, and kind of watch them really 
take certain things and own certain things, yeah. but we really lacked in leadership for a long time because of our vision. I think another obstacle that we had was we really struggled with getting people into community. I mean, we were great at helping people find direction and, and find Jesus and talk about next steps and, and really, hey, you want to serve? We can point them in the right direction. But for people to really say, okay, I'm going to get with a group of people that are my brothers and sisters, and I'm going to be seen and I'm going to be safe and I'm going to be satisfied. That was very hard for us. Yeah, that was hard for them. Yeah. We totally underestimated. People did not want to jump into groups. They did not want to get heavily involved. They wanted to kind yeah. of figure what it, what it was looking like for them to follow Jesus. So we really struggled with getting people into a community. Uh, yeah. I think another obstacle that we had was me. Um, I'd never led a church. I had never ran an organization. I'd never really been a part of a growing church. And so in the church planting world, we talk about church planting is like building an airplane while it's in the air. I mean, I had to learn so many things out while this church is growing and sure. moving forward. And I had to learn the difference between working in the church and working on the church. Yeah. I had to learn how to discern a good idea from a God idea. Yeah. Um, I had to, had to learn how to meet with people in groups and not one-on-one -on -one because it just took so much yeah. of my time. So there, was, so there were so many things that I had to learn yeah. as a leader. Um, and and I, I think one thing, maybe it's not an obstacle, but I think it's something that I totally underestimated. Um, Andy Stanley talks about how in your teens and in your 20s, it's really wise for you to dig a well for you that is deep, that is wide. So in times of trial or trouble or tribulation, you can get that living water out. And you and I both know it's important to do that for your family and yeah. you know, for your kids. I totally underestimated how many people would put their buckets in my well. Totally mm. underestimated how many people would try to draw from what God was doing in me and yeah. through me. And, and once, once that happened, there was just a season of, exhaustion that I just kind of, I just totally underestimated what that would look like. So I think those are some of the obstacles that we've kind of been through and we've gone through the normal stuff. I mean, you know, not having enough money, you know, trying to help people take next steps, trying to figure out the right team on the yeah. bus and the right seats and more leaders, better space. I mean, we've had all of those issues. Yeah, as well. Sure. What kept you going? How did God show up in ways that kept you committed and just moving through eight years? It's a long time. Uh, Talk me through that. Yeah, one of the things I think for me that was encouraging was uh, watching my family. Like they loved the church that we right. were a part of. I mean, my wife she served in like four point five different ministries, <laughs> so yeah, sure. she 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 was involved. I feel like in everything. My kids were coming to both services. They were going to one. They were serving at the other. So I think just watching my family love the ministry that we were involved in. When That's things got hard, when things got difficult, that yeah. encouraged me. Um, you can never underestimate having good friends. Like yeah. having good friends that you can talk to, that you can you know, have vomit days where you're just literally just spewing out hurt and brokenness and frustration, and they're not going to judge you. I read a statistic that said 70% of pastors say they don't have a close friend. And wow. no wonder why so many people are dropping out of the ministry. So you need people in your corner that are mm -hmm. going to support you and encourage you. And it's really, I think it makes the difference between giving up and moving forward. Yeah, so that, that was huge for me. And then I think finally, it's just always leaning on your calling. You have yeah. to lean on your calling. You know, when money gets tight, when decisions get hard, when 
people let you down. You've got to look at your church and your culture and your city yeah. and, and remember that God has called you here. And I think you got to look in the rearview mirror. Like yeah. you got to rem- you got to remember the faithfulness of God, yeah. how He brought you to this point, and all of those things. I think spur you forward to to keep doing what you're doing even in difficult times all right let's play a game let's jump in an imaginary time machine we're going to go back okay we're going to go back to a year before you planted what do you tell young crockett there and say here's what i I wish you would know about yourself and about moving forward that will help you to become who god's called you to be well i was 29 when i planted the church so that means i would speak to crockett at 28 so I just feel like that is just a completely different person. Sure, right? But I think I, I think the things that I would say is always remember this is not your church. That's great. This is not your baby. This is not yours. Uh, you you didn't start this church. This is God's church. That's you right. are a servant in God's church. And for years, I would refer to uh, Vintage City as my baby. This is sure. something that I started, um, and I, I took probably too much ownership of the church. And I, I think it's always good to be reminded that it is not mine. Uh, I think I would say to 28 year old Crockett, um, I know you want to go fast. I know you want things to move forward, but if you go fast, you're going to go alone. It's okay to good. slow down. Well, I, I think I would say, never forget that people matter the most to God. People matter. So the way that you treat everyone, the way that you lead everyone, the good. way that you speak to everyone, like do that with a sense of they are created in the image of God and they have value. Uh, I would remind 28-year-old Crockett that God cares more about my faithfulness than he does church attendance right. or offerings. Uh, I think I would say things like uh, the success that you may experience, don't let that make you complacent because it can sabotage future success. Yeah. Um, so always be working and moving forward. Don't get complacent in the success that you're uh, experiencing. One thing, especially for church planters, um, the church will mimic your DNA. So I needed to learn how to have healthy rhythms because that's essential for both me and the church. And, you know, that's, I, I think that's just things I would say to 28 year old crowd. Man, That's gold. If you're listening to this podcast, you are getting gold. You know, I love that question because it, it takes us back. And really a lot of the people who are listening, the guys and gals listening to this podcast, they are the 28 year old Crockett. You know, they're a year out from planting. If they can learn, I always say, if I got back in a machine, I'd remember just same things as you, man, this is God's church. Hey, he wants fruitful uh, faithfulness, not just fruitfulness. Hey, look at your rhythms of your life. So you know, you're, you're speaking to me and I know speaking to a lot of church planners here. Uh, let's kind of scope out a little bit. Stadia, I've gotten an opportunity to know the organization. I'm so blessed and blown away by what God's doing through you guys. You've had a major change over the last year in some amazing ways. Uh, talk to us about what God's doing through Stadia. Yeah, so in 20, 2018, our executive team got together and we just kind of asked the question, how can we plant more and better churches? And one of the things that we do financially as an organization or did financially as an organization is the churches that we would plant, we would say, okay, we're going to ask them for 10 years to get 5% of their local offerings back to this church planning uh, organization, back to Stadia. And so we just kind of came around the, the circle and said, okay, you know, planters are scared of the 5%. Denominations are scared of the 5%. Um, there's a lot of people that, that, that they just, they can't partner with because of the 5%. And so we said, you know, what if we remove the 5%? What if we, as an organization, 
just gave our services and served our planters wow. for free. So in 2019, literally my first week uh, yeah. with Stadia, we started serving planters for free and it has been absolutely incredible. We believe generosity, you know, begets generosity. Right. So uh, it, it's been absolutely amazing. Our, we have grown 70% since deciding to kind of move this direction. And it's been, it's been absolutely incredible. And you know, I mean, planters, the thing that they love is resources and especially free resources. So, sure. I mean, it's, sure. it's, it's a win for everybody. So we're trying to navigate that messy middle on yes. what it looks like for us to continue to grow, but also to give our services in the way that we serve our planters. Yeah, that's amazing. And the fruit's been there. Um, Talk to, so I think that's just one of the boldest things I've heard in a while. You know, you guys are all in on church planning. Uh, absolutely awesome. Um, who's who's a good fit for Stadia? There's people out there that are listening to this podcast. And, you know, once they start with Star Church, a lot of times they ask us, hey, what's the next step? And you know me, I'm always saying find a tribe, right? Find a family to run with. Uh, what would somebody... Uh, who would be the right person to maybe be giving you guys a call and say, I might be a good fit uh, to run with Stadia and give you your rhythm and, your, and what God's doing there. Describe that that sort of person. Yeah, I, I think the planter who uh, naturally had a love and a care to want to win those that don't know Christ, those that want to live on mission, those people that I think they look at maybe the spiritual landscape of their city or their country, and maybe they feel like they're losing. And yeah. then they're reminded of the words of Jesus when he says that we are part of a prevailing kingdom, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So they're saying, you know what, by planting a church, that they believe in the church, that it's God's option A, there is no option B. So maybe church planting is the greatest way for us to win. And yeah. so naturally they want to win people. They want to help their community. They want to serve. They want to make a difference. They want to reach people that are far from God. It's just those people that are willing to step out in faith. And again, it doesn't matter as far as models or how you plan the church, yeah. but you're just totally convinced. You're called, you're capable, and you're ready to make the biggest difference in your community and with and for Christ that you can. That's awesome. And if they wanted to get in touch with you, somebody's listening to this right now and saying, yeah, I, I need to find out more. Where, where would they do that? Sure. I'm probably the only Crockett Davidson in the world. So if you, if, if you go on Facebook and search Crockett Davidson, you're going to find me. You can send me sure. a message there uh, on Twitter. It's vintage Crockett. Uh, you can go to Crockett and that's two T C R O C K E T T dot Davidson at stadia church planting dot org. Um, great way to connect with me either email or on social media. Well, listen, we're really excited about you being here. Hopefully we can have you on again, maybe in the next you know, a year or something and just kind of circle around uh, maybe a volume two. Uh, what was that next phase after you planted? What were the next couple of years? Because we'll have some people that are doing that at that time. So I really appreciate you being with us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Call brought to you by Start Church. If you have any questions about what you've heard today, please give us a call at 844-641-641. 5718 or visit our website at startchurch.com. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Start Church Beyond the Call. Start Church has helped thousands of churches and ministries protect what God has given them to lead. Check out our website at startchurch.com or feel free to call at 844-641-5718. We would be honored to serve you.